Hello, adventurers, and welcome to the Mike Flares podcast. Coming to you from behind one of these three magical, colorful portals. Quickly, Martin, choose what portal. Uh, do you choose the magenta portal, the amethyst portal, or the shining white portal? Magenta. Magenta. Oh, Martin, I'm sorry. You're in the plane of pandemonium. You're going to lose your mind for all eternity. Oh, so let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Were all the doors to the plane of pandemonium? No, uh, the Amethyst one was to the Abyss, and the Shining White one was to the Positive Energy Plane, which, if you read up on the wiki about it, uh, is so overwhelming with positive energy that you can survive no more than a few minutes there before your body uh, just evaporates into the plane and becomes one with it, uh, and you cease to exist. Uh, which I'm not sure is a good or bad thing, but none of them were good options. So <laughs> the game was rigged from the start. Sorry, buddy. That's <laughs> uh, good. It's, it's like going into the uh, going into the live stream and Final Fantasy VII. Or did you ever see that thing? Have you seen it where it's like there's three doors very, in the very, side? Very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. I'm your host, Connor O'Brien, and joining me as always is my co-host, <laughs> Mr. Martin O'Dwyer. How How's are you, it? buddy? I'm good, Connor. How's it going, folks? Happy to be here. Now, sorry, you were talking about three doors in it. Yes. Or two doors, uh, no, there's three, I think. There's, yeah. Isn't there like three doors in it? And it's like, not scary scary very scary <laughs> yeah yeah and then like one of them just has a, a a girl severed in half hanging up on on the coat rack thing i think that was not scary <laughs> that was not scary. <laughs> it was a that was a great movie oh, um man. so so well it's always a bit of a gamble whenever you try to do something that's like a remake or something else uh but they pulled it off massively uh yeah. i haven't seen the second half the part two yet i've heard it's not as good but i've heard it's okay it's it's still a good movie but yeah it's yeah. it doesn't match the quality of the first i think like the, i think they just yeah. really got lightning in a bottle with like bill skarsgård's performance in that one and the kids as well like all the kids in Man, the every so single good. kid actor in that movie knocks it out of the park like oh, I, the kids I, are on a level i can't believe it. <laughs> Sorry? kids are normally terrible as well. <laughs> well i mean like that, that's why i think that's why whenever you see an interview with an actor who's after working with a child for any sort of production they're always they always have that that pleasantly supply surprise thing pleasantly where they're supplied? like <laughs> supplied uh pleasantly surprised uh thing where they're like uh where they'll be like oh kids are normally terrible but i can't i couldn't believe how professional this young person was and you know, and, and how how pl polite and, and and good they were at their job, and how they took it seriously and everything. So I think people expect kids to be kids. Yeah. Um, but um, is it wrong? I'd kind of love an actor just to crack up on them, but like, just see this little here. I <laughs> 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 like to drag him around the set for three months, feeding him lines. There's uh, what? How many? How many kids is there in? in is it seven? In the losers club. Well, there's a load of kids because, like, they even like there's the there's the bully kid as well and stuff. But like in terms of like, or do you mean like the the main? The I main mean the losers, like, the losers, the losers club, yeah, club yeah. is like, yeah. There's like one two because there's there's um Finn Wolfhard's character. There's uh Bill the leader who whose whose brother Georgie dies. Then there yeah. is um I can't remember her name, uh but she's played by Jessica Chastain when she's older. Uh, Beverly, Beverly. Uh, then Beverly. There's, then there's like the heavier kid whose name like I think his name is Ben maybe. Ben, yes, Tenders. who grows up to be a... Oh, he, he, I know he gets really successful when he's older. He's a writer. He's the Stephen King is, insert character. Is Bill not that? Is that not Bill? Oh, sorry. I think it might be, actually. Yeah, isn't it? I think Ben's like an architect or something yes. like that. And he gets really fit as well. He gets yeah. really like in good shape when he comes back as an adult. Yeah. yeah but the, basically, there's like, there's like five there's, to seven kids six. there. I think there might be six. No, there's seven. Six kids. Think, yeah. We'll say seven. Yeah. We'll just say seven. Uh, but imagine having seven kids, and like every time, again, thinking along the mindset of every time you do a a production with children, you're taking a little bit of a gamble on whether or not they will be 
like professional or whatever and then imagine absolutely knocking it out of the park with every single kid in the movie like just being so professional so good to work with such good actors bouncing off each other really really well mm-hmm. phenomenally yeah uh, like you said lightning in a bottle um Martin, we're going to get into our topic in just a moment. There is something I want to just very briefly mention to you today, oh, which yeah. I think will make you very happy. I, last night, along with Tara, we finished all nine episodes of Arcane. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I cannot believe how good that show was. Yes. That was one of the best things I've watched in a long time. And I mean, like, uh, the, the, thing, the thing I couldn't get over initially was how good the animation was. Those are like video game cutscene level animations but for like what 40 times 9 however many hours worth of content that is yeah. that's insane well actually it's three, it's like two like six hours yeah. it's, it's like three hours worth of content and everything is animated like a high-end video game Studio which again, this, beasts that's, that's uh that's like not at all cheap no like there's some shows that come out in animated shows and like they do what looks good, but isn't necessarily... They're not blowing a budget on it. They're doing what it looks good and what's functional. And, like, it's like someone just handed them a blank check for animation on this show and goes, do what you need to do to get this thing made. It, uh, it and the animation is outstanding. to make the first season. It took six, six years. Six years? Yeah. The second season is already in production, but I'd imagine it'll probably be a lot quicker because I'd imagine to do this, they probably had to, like, get do a lot of things where, like, getting getting approval on character designs and like building their yeah. building their own software tools to like make it happen and now they, they probably have, have a lot of uh, a lot of assets and yeah. stuff like that that they've created that they've already created that yeah. they can reuse and stuff like that like character models and stuff like that um what yeah oh man it was what did you think of the hex tech that that's what i thought you'd like the most was there was the way hex tech works uh from from the very first episode um the the only thing i wanted out of the show was just to watch Violet punching people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, he's such a beast. Oh, I love it. That, that initial scrap in the first yeah. episode in the in the alleyway yes. is, is so well done. It's just a bunch of teenagers pucking each other, but, like, they slow down all the animations and you see them hit their jaws and, and, and blood goes spurting out of their nose you, you and stuff like that. You see someone get hit and the f- flesh on their face move first, then their skull. Like, that, then, that yeah, level exactly. of realism. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, it was so, so good. Um... When she, I won't spoil anything, but like she was great. Um, That's a uh, Haley Steinfeld uh, doing her voice as well. Oh, I know, yeah, yeah. I was looking up all the. I I recognize very few of them. One of the guys, Marcus, is played by the the tall dude who was on the the tour with them in Spider Man Far From Home. You know the other guy who was interested in Mary Jane. Oh really? Oh. He plays Marcus. Yeah, yeah. There's a few people I kind of half recognize from yeah. other roles. Um, but honestly, like I couldn't. All the voice acting was top top notch. Uh, the animation was uh, a stellar. The setting is really, really good. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not going to play a league because I don't like the <laughs> gameplay of it. But I will absolutely read up on loads of the wikis and and watch the animated shorts and, and loads of stuff. Cause I mean, I'm interested now. The world seems super interesting to me. Yeah, and what's um, really cool is that is literally one city on a giant. Yeah, continent. exactly. Yeah, I looked up the map as well, yeah. and I'm like, oh, it's kind of down here. Okay, that's uh, yeah. just this little tiny there's, thing. There's a universe page you can go on that has an interactive map, and you can click around on all the places, and it'll give you. You like you can click on like Piltover and Zone, and it'll, it'll be like a general thing, and then you can click into like specific areas, and like it literally goes down into like subsections of lore within lore. Yeah. It's such a fun thing to just spend like an hour just clicking around, learning about like why why this society that lives on a giant mountain builds all their monuments in like circular patterns, yeah, to emulate the sun and the stars and all that kind of stuff. It's really cool. really cool. 
Um, and yeah, season two of Arcane is going to be hype. And apparently, yeah. because that was so successful, they're I think they're looking into doing more shows as well. Um, or there de- or there will be more coming. Um, or maybe they'll just continue Arcane on past Piltover and so on and into other places because the timeline that Arcane kind of finishes up around um, is right. It's before. obviously like or like prior to the game, I suppose. So the like, game isn't... itself isn't really. Like the game, like the game, the store, the game, the story, the gameplay and the story don't really interact a whole bunch because, like, it used to be a whole thing where oh, they became it was called League of Legends because all the champions came from all these different places to fight on the fields of justice and become a champion in the League of Legends to win money, fame, right. or power for whatever they are, who or for whatever their goals were. Um, but then they kind of rewrote their lore around twenty fourteen and basically scrapped that whole idea. Um, so now like the kind of actual summoners rift pla- uh, like play. 5v5 team game the lore doesn't really come into that it's just yeah. it's more so the lore is just there for character depth and lore and cool stuff like that and awesome tv shows to be made from it it's a bit like uh like i suppose a lot of games follow that format now where it's a bit like either overwatch or apex as well where there's characters in overwatch and they have backstories and stuff but the game to game play and stuff doesn't actually factor into the story because when you obviously other than like voice pres- lines like that's yeah, exactly. Because because you can have like uh, Reaper working alongside uh, Soldier Seventy Six, even though they're technically yeah. enemies now in the lore, they can be on the same team working together and and stuff like that. Yeah. Or you could have someone like uh, like I don't know Soldier Seventy Six and Anna who are good friends because they're old Overwatch buddies, but they could be on the opposite team shooting and killing each other. But it doesn't actually mean anything for the overarching story. It's just like here we're kind of just pulling these characters out of the lore and dropping them into an arena for you to have fun with but it doesn't have to have any real stakes um yeah and apex does the same thing because apex is meant to be a a to the death survival arena with all these different characters but obviously you can play multiple 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 matches as different people and there's some people that you can play i forget your man's name he's the evil robot guy in it but himself and loba hate each other because he killed loba's parents but you can just have them on the same team even though her goal in life is to find and kill this guy it, it, again yeah. it's, it's kind of just inconsequential fun like you know yeah exactly it's it's just not related it's not really the lore is just there for like coolness and like in, in league you'll get like certain characters will have like special voice lines like if you hit your taunt if you like go control forwards the taunt button and um, you can your character your character will do a taunt normally but like if say like if you're playing vi and there's a jinx nearby and you hit taunt she'll have a special voice line for like for like if the, there'll be special ones for like your first encounter of that champion when you kill them when you get killed by them or if you press taunt near them yeah yeah, yeah just exactly it's, it's cool yeah. i've always I, there's stuff like that in overwatch as well i've always liked where like you're in the spawn room before the match starts and certain characters will just say little things to each other and myself and tara are always listening out for them because they do update them regularly and you get little little snippets of, of information about who they are how they know each other and stuff like that so it's really cool yeah uh Martin, uh, today I want to talk with you about a pretty broad topic. So we honestly, we probably will not get all of it covered because okay. frankly, there's just too much here. But I would like to talk to you about the cosmology of the planes in okay. D&D. We're dealing with the big um, words today. The big words, yeah, yeah the big <laughs> three syllable words. Uh, cosmology has four syllables, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally counted on my fingers here and I'm like, no, that's wrong. Um, yeah, so cosmology of the planes. Basically, um, a lot of people... I think who maybe have a surface level understanding of D&D will be like, oh, it's it's like medieval fantasy. You fight dragons and go into dungeons and you, you start off in a village or a town and, and blah, blah, blah. And there's armies and kingdoms and they're not wrong. 
but there is a much greater and I, well, I, I do not use the term greater lightly in this scenario there is a much greater uh, depth to Dungeons and Dragons in that you can travel to various other worlds and planes of existence um, that stretch out uh, there's, there's a bunch when I was researching this I came across I didn't know existed like yeah, and I'm looking at them from past editions and stuff like that and I'm like wow this just goes on and on and on um, and the way these things are normally represented is with this thing called the, the great wheel of, of cosmology mm. um, and it, this is more specifically or not specifically but kind of more commonly Faerun which is where the most D&D games um, or pre-written adventures in 5e take place but that, I think that, some of that carries over to Greyhawk and some of that carries over to Dragonlance. There's a few different ones and they kind of pick and choose a few little bits or add stuff in or take stuff out to uh, to kind of coincide with their uh, their setting. Um, but the way the Great Wheel works is that you have at the very center the material plane, which is the real world, the where elves and humans and dwarves mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff live. And we're going to probably talk about the two closest planes to that first. And those are probably the ones you and I maybe are most familiar with, <laughs> which is the the Feywild and the Shadowfell. Yes. Um, so these are two planes that m- mirror the prime material plane. Uh, the Feywild, of course, is the, is a realm of fairies and uh, and and archfey and stuff like that. Everything is basically dialed up to eleven uh, in terms of its colorfulness and its its uh, prettiness and all that kind of stuff. But also, it's very very deadly, like a tree frog. It's really colorful and pretty, but it will kill you instantly. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the opposite, the opposing one to that is the Shadowfell. Which is basically stripped of all emotion and color, and it's bland and desolate, and uh, and just full of these ravenous evil creatures. Um, In my head, and, all, that's always like what it looks like when Frodo puts the ring on. The Shadowfell. Yeah, yeah. This kind of like uh, washed out, kind of like windswept, ethereal kind of. Actually, no, I suppose probably the ring is more like the ethereal pain. I think. I think it's the ethereal because the, the we'll, we'll get onto the ethereal yeah. a bit, but. Uh, I, I, for me, the thing I always think about um, is just that is mostly since I started watching Stranger Things is the upside down. The upside down is is basically you know you can see if you watch the show uh, when they go to the upside down, which is this other parallel dimension. There is still a school there. There is still their house, you know, but it's all covered over in these little like roots and vines and. Uh, things are crumbling and desolate and kind of rotting and, and the air is foul. Um, and that to me is always what the Shadowfell is. It's it's this darker reflection of our world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you read up in the DMG, it tells you like if you if you look at a a castle in the, sha- in the material plane, a big castle on a hill, and then you uh, immediately transfer or transport to the Shadowfell, something akin to that same castle will be there. But it'll be this rundown, desolate um, version of that castle that's kind of crumbling away and stuff yeah. like that. I actually have the um, bit you're talking about here, if you want to hear it. Yeah, hit me, yeah. Uh, so the Shadowfell overlaps the Material Plane in much the same way as the Feywild. Aside from the colourless landscape, it appears similar to the Material Plane. Landscarps from the... Landscarps? Landmarks. Land, land Landcarps. Uh, la- landmarks from the Material Plane are recognisable on the Shadowfell, but they are twisted and warped, distorted reflections of what exists on the Material where a mountain stands on the material plane, the corresponding feature on the Shadowfell is a jagged rock outcropping with a resemblance to a skull. So yeah, it's like every, everything is kind of an evil, dark, gritty, 
awful version of what it is in the, in the real world. Um, I've had incredible fun with the Shadowfell before. Uh, we've talked about it multiple times, obviously. It, it comes up. It's great. Um, but we talked about it, of course, when we did the Ravenloft video. Mm-hmm. Because all of those, um, uh, what they call Domains of Dread yes. in Ravenloft in the book are sub sub planes or, or sub ter- I don't know what you call them territories yeah. of the Shadowfell so Barovia where Stra- um, Strad von Zarevich Strad von Zarevich lives um, is one of those planes it, it's creepy it's full of wolves and, and ravens and bats uh, and the forests are haunted and there's witches everywhere and it's, it's really a kind of gothic mm. uh, thing uh, but it, it, it draws on that idea that things are nothing's vibrant nothing's colourful everything is desolate and run down and, and creepy you know yeah um but yeah we, we've had we've had great fun uh, we had a very uh early in the, our current campaign we had a, a shadow fell arc where you guys traveled through the town of rune mm-hmm. uh named for the the standing rune stone uh which basically wards away evil creatures so demons and uh, and on monstrosities and stuff like that would be less inclined to come near the town uh, it just it does feel repelled by it um but this thing recharges on a full moon and there was a, an eclipse that month which only happens every hundred or so years um and as a result then the town was unprotected until the next full month passed and the lunar cycle came around again to recharge it um and in that time what you guys found out is that the town was built on top of a rift in the plains because these Although these planes are separate from one another, sometimes they just overlap a little bit and portals can just appear uh, randomly in the world. Uh, and in a cave beneath the town, there was a portal that led directly to the Shadowfell. Uh, and because it was no longer being suppressed by the by the runestone, you guys had a uh, you guys very had to deal with a few monsters and creatures that came through it into the town. Yeah, um, that was geez, that was a real early on. Like that was yeah, that was like the skulk, wasn't it? The the skulk, yeah, it's basically a it's basically a traveler that gets lost on the borders between the Shadowfell and because again because the Shadowfell is just so devoid of all passion and emotion and and stuff like that, this person kind of loses their identity slowly over time, and they just become this malicious creature who is, uh, who's hateful and jealous of people on the material plane, and they kind of exist on the border where sometimes they'll sneak onto the material plane and attack people just out of sheer malice. Yeah, um, a very... It's a very weak creature, although it's it's always invisible, mm-hmm. um, which is which is tricky. Uh, but it's a very weak creature in terms of um, its health points and, and stuff like that, or hit points, I should say. Um, but we actually got a fairly a fairly sizable arc. Like you guys were maybe two or three levels with this thing lurking around the yeah. town attacking every couple nights and stuff like that um yeah it was a great arc it was one of my favorite arcs uh, of this campaign because it was so simple uh and i just loved that i just love the level of mileage um i got out of out of that uh man have you ever have you used because again i don't play in your game have you used the shadow fell at all in your current campaign i not the shadows fell yet no i'm i haven't haven't quite gotten to using the shadow fell i've used a couple other ones but i have some ideas for the shadow fell um i just haven't decided exactly where i want to put it um yeah yeah like i've gotten i just like in terms of the way the way it functions and starts some of the cool creatures you can pull on there and other stuff i have ideas for it like late game um like maybe like 15 level 15 16 17 um i've i've ideas for maybe messing around with the with the shadow fell around then really actually it kind of depends on what way my party go because to be honest the last few times they've decided what 
what where they're going next after the big arc they just uh yeah. aside from like the last two i think yeah th- this one and the previous one were both no we're going here but like the last few times where they had a chance to decide or to go they literally rolled the dice like they, they're just like oh, okay. there's like there's like eight continents and they just literally went all right we'll roll a d8 one and, and like because what i usually do is i'll give them like a summary of all the plot points that are currently going on as of the best of their knowledge yeah so what what i tell them could be three four five months out of date depending on how long it's been since they decided to go in and look into what's going on there and obviously that will progress so what i do is yeah i'll give them like on this continent this is happening this is happening this is happening this is happening and this is happening um and then they literally went like huh three right we're doing that Which is I mean, if, if ever there's a game where uh, deciding where you should go next is based on the roll of a dice, dice, I think D and D is the one is the yeah. one for it. No, I, I like it. It's worked out really cool because um, you know, some some things they might not have gotten for. Although to be honest, I knew as soon as I put the words "Dragonborn Pirate Warlord" in my game that Mike mm-hmm. would be like, we're going here, I don't care, we're going here. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned before he basically ignored what was what was very much a plotline designed for him and his character and his homeland. I li- and it, he was like, oh, there's that, but also Dragonborn Pirate Warlord. <laughs> I literally gave him a vision of a black wave sweeping across his homeland and his, and his mentor like grabbing him from behind, spinning him around and looking at him with eyes bleeding black. And being like, you're like to try to be like, your home's in danger, dude. <laughs> and he was like, oh god. And then, like, they finished that arc, it comes to the next one, and they're like, right, where are you going? Fully expecting to go. Because the thing I told him about there is, yeah, things are bad, things are happening at your home. <laughs> and he went, pirates, though. Pirates, you said. Pirates? Yes, pirates. Oh, mm, mm. I-, I wonder what would happen in, in, in my campaign yeah. if I turned to Mike. And I just said, "Hey, there, your your island's about to sink into the ocean." He'd probably be like, "Yeah, but I gotta kill the empire, though." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. No, so um, yeah, I can't like I mm, like I, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff in there, and like uh, was it Tyrone Paula in the in Critical Role? Yeah, yeah. Like I that was I love that idea, and they, there was um uh <laughs> there was a D and D there was a D and D live stream that was like i think it was the jocks mocking their live stream and it was like travis um joe manganello it was like joe manganello's personal trainer and the big show from from uh now uh the big show uh formerly of wwe uh, yeah and they all played like tanks and barbarians and paladins of various kind and just like and just basically survived an onslaught at the base of the tower that their whole thing was just survive um and some of the stuff they put in there was really cool and like particularly with some of the newer stuff that's come in as well the likes of like your deep dragons and stuff i'm like yeah it's like could do like a really like almost yeah. uh, like an almost upside downish kind of uh play on the on the on the on the dark oh God, I'm getting my own campaign names mixed now but the shadow fell yeah. um yeah, I know. I think there's there's a decent amount of stuff there that I like really want to get into, but sadly can't not go into massive detail because it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> no, of course, of course. Well, look, we we I mean, look, there's like I said, we've plenty to talk about. Uh, I think the Shadowfell for me because it, I think because it gets used a lot is because it is literally bordering as per as per the Great Wheel it does border the Prime Material Plane, um, and I think with things like. Um, Stranger Things and stuff like that. It makes it very easy to to imagine a shadowy realm that borders our own, you know. And I, I often in Stranger Things, like they were, it was always very ambiguous how these portals they just kind of bleed through or kind of open yeah. up in the weirdest of spots. 
Um, and I, I always think about the Shadowfell as just like, if the shadow, if there's a portal to the Shadowfell nearby, the area will look like unnaturally dark. Even even light, like sources of light, like lanterns and candles, will kind of be smothered a little bit. And if you find an area of particular darkness, like a dark corner or, or a room with no lights on, you might take a step, even though you know with the light on, this room is like solid oak floors. You might turn out the light, take a step and trip, and you'll just land on dirt. And when you turn the light back on, you'll be like, oh, I'm in like a cave in the Shadowfell. You'll just slip through by accident, you know? Uh, like 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 falling through a, like a subway grate or something like that, just down into a, into a different realm. Um, and I think it's it makes, it makes, that it makes case sure. being death. Yeah, well, sorry, I said subway grate. Like you fall through a subway grate, but it, it won't be long before you see two lights coming right at you. you know? Followed by one very big light at the end of a long tunnel. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the the opposing one to the Shadowfell then is uh, is I uh, basically actually. I wanted to say as well, for my own homebrew world, you know this, um, I have the Shadowfell as a moon mm -hmm. that, that, that orbits my uh, my prime material plane. And even, it's it's it works in the opposite, it's always like the opposite side of the prime material plane to the uh, the Feywild. The Feywild is my primary moon, my actual moon. Mm. Um, but it's kind of a, got a pinky hue to it, uh, and it's in the night sky. But then there's this dark, kind of lightless recess in the day well, if you look up into the sky, it'll just be a kind of black, a dark hole in the sky, and that is the the shadow fell moon um, that's visible at all times. You know, it's just like a, it still looks far away. It's still just a little dot, but it's just this, this hollow dot in the sky that kind of absorbs the light around it. Um, and I just that that was in in terms of like designing cosmologies, I, I based mine around like planets, so like mm. it's a solar system, uh, which isn't like terribly unique. It it follows the idea of the wheel and all that kind of stuff. You know, pretty much. Uh, I, I, it's fairly standard. Uh, I will get on in a minute to one particular cosmology I absolutely love because it's just really, really cool. Okay. Um, but uh, I do want to talk about the Feywild for a little bit. Uh, have you used the Feywild at all in uh, in your setting? I, 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 I'm going to sound like a broken record. I have. I actually have a lot planned for the Feywild. Um, okay, okay. Particularly because when starting out, I had a um, Circle of the Moon Druid in my party who Ooh, yeah. um, had this whole thing where she, she called herself the Forgotten um, and she had this whole thing where she thinks she was like either cast out or couldn't remember where she was from and all this stuff. So I have a... I can actually go into a little more detail on this than I did, can on my plans for the Shadowfell because the Shadowfell ones okay. really haven't solidified but like these ones have and the guys have kind of heard bits and pieces about places. But basically on my... Um, I have a continent called Alf which hilariously obviously is the uh, home continent of the elves. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, that too. <laughs> yeah, that too. And also the also the puppet who's back in pog form. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a whole continent of the elves, and about a, I want to say like a good third of the western edge of that continent is taken up by a massive forest called Quilchefor, and inside that forest is a, a there's basically there's a territory that nobody enters, uh, called the Parliament of Druids, and that's a and that's a place where. Um, it's just this huge chunk of the forest that nobody but the beasts are allowed to enter under pain of death from the druids. Um, and they're there to um, protect, uh, rumours have it, they're there to protect a portal to the Feywild. Um, that sounds really, really cool. I love the, can I just say, chef's kiss on the <laughs> parliament of druids. That's that's awesome. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah no, it's a, I have a lot of stuff planned and it's really fun. Um, and I really want to go into... 
um, once they, because I imagine they eventually will kind of get into that. But once they do, um, I really actually know. <laughs> I can't say anything. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I almost let a thing slip that I've had planned since like level three. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he um, with the with the face stuff. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting into it and going on and going more into what um, the it's called the she in Irish um, in Irish mythology, um, which is which really means like magic, um, and. Uh, basically they, there's like marching armies in that that like just there's like just armies and armies of like fairies um that march up and down like these endless roads going away and like time is so strange and like you walk forward and the sun shifts to the moon and back and like all this really really just very trippy kind of almost like uh lewis carroll not lewis carroll um but almost like this like alice in wonderland kind of through the looking glass everything's a bit strange and nonsensical and like words yeah. have specific words and rhymes and deals have specific power and stuff like that um uh, yeah and i really um i'm looking forward to doing it just so i can go full out it's actually i've because i'm i've read a lot of that already but I, i'm kind of getting into ideas for like demon stuff for my next campaign and i li- I, I tweeted it uh from the my players my players podcast uh twitter account during the week it was like just dm things and it was like your order of the complete works of alistair crowley and the dictionarium infant well hang on I'll, I'll pull, i think it's like the dictionarium infernum um it's, yeah it's like a demon uh a demon collection thing or, or anthology or something like that it's so it's I I, lo- I I looked at it was it was written between eighteen eighteen and eighteen thirty seven or something like that. Um, hang on, I'm just pull I literally. Uh, the Infernal Dictionary: Gods, Devils, and Spirits of the Dictionnaire Infernal, is what it's called. And uh, hang on, let's see. Uh, can you see that? Uh, it looks like something riding something else, like some sort of dragon dog. But maybe that's just me. It's like uh it's like a, it looks like, it looks like a, the cover of a metal album. It's, uh, it, it is it's very very metal. It's a it's a three-headed demon. One's got the head of a bull, the other has the head of a ram, the other one his head's on fire. He's got like a pointy fiery lance and bat wings and there's some kind of giant um demon, I'm guessing, on earth. But yeah, I've I've been listening that's uh I'm doing some research and I want to do some demonic stuff for my next campaign and yeah, doing research. That makes you look like a serial killer. Just the end things. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only thing that could have made that worse if you were like, if you'd ordered that on Amazon as well as like some sort of like decorative ceremonial knife. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I when I clicked into my Amazon there to find the title, they're now recommending me statues of Baphomet. So that's great. <laughs> oh, gotta love that learning algorithm. <laughs> Uh, it's cool it's cool no I, I like the occult and tarot and all that stuff anyway. but um, yeah with the yeah, fae yeah. the fae I really want to get I'm really excited to get into eventually um, we haven't yeah. uh, I have some links to certain characters in the fae um, that they may or may not be aware of currently but um, yeah I'm very very excited I guess just because there's so much that I can we can draw from between like Irish and like Scottish and like um, like just general Celtic lore all around. Yeah, I just, if if you look at like Celtic Celtic mythology in particular, a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff that is Fae related comes from that. Whether it be uh, even some Norman stuff, but that kind of came picked up from Celt- like residual like, um, Celtic culture from from Britain. I'm pretty sure Boggarts are Cornish. Uh oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like it's it's did literally everywhere and anywhere from that's kind of Celtic. There's a bunch of influence, and I think a lot of that comes yeah. from stuff like Edmund Spencer and the Fairy Queen and stuff like that. 
yeah there's a there's a great there's a great wealth of stuff there um we've touched on it a handful of times in in our current campaign i always like it but there's always i always maybe obsess over it a little bit because there's a particular vibe i try to strike when it comes to the fae where things are uh, weird but I, I don't like them to be so weird that you kind of just feel like you're along for the ride mm. i feel like uh in the previous campaign you guys had spent some time in the feywild and i would i would tell you like you would like walk behind a tree or push a, a branch aside and all of a sudden you emerge in an entirely different part of the forest or something like that and i think stuff like that has its place but if you overuse it it kind of feels like you're just shoving the person through a door every now and again to get them to the next plot point um so i tried to tone it down a little bit with the current and this time when you went to the fair while there was some weird stuff like i'd, I'd uh at one point you'd cross you'd cross a desert of black sand and black glass to find a, a volcano yeah. crystal volcano flying um, and you had there was flying furry whales that would like flap their their fins like wings, uh, being ridden by like six or eight uh, uh, red caps who just had like hooks and stuff, and and they're all wrapped up in red, and and they jumped off like a raiding party off of this flying whale creature. I love red caps uh, as well. I absolutely love, they're they're just these tiny psychotic balls of hate with giant metal boots that they drop kick people with. Oh my yeah. god, I love them. <laughs> Some people have steel toe cap boots. These guys just have steel boots. I know. My sorcerer took yeah. both of them to the chaps when they hot them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Feywild, honestly, it's one of my favorite places to do. And like again, it's it, you can kind of um, I think like just out of like old mythology of like fairies living in the forest mm -hmm. and fairy forts and stuff like that. I think it makes perfect sense if you don't want to have your players going through a. Uh, a forest and be like here's a, a bear or a pack of wolves or anything like that be like oh you come across some really weird fairy stuff like fairies or pixies or or um uh what else is there quicklings and stuff like that or another changelings. one changelings. I, I really wanted to do like a changeling kind of horror not horror but like like a changeling quest line that'd be like really creepy and messed up um with like fairies taking babies and stuff and you have to follow because traditionally what happens is you have to follow i think in Irish, I think it's kind of messed up because I think in Irish mythology the way you test for a change thing was you shove a, a red hot iron poker down the baby's throat. That sounds about right. Yeah. Thank you, Catholicism. Did <laughs> no, long before Catholicism, friend. Oh, sorry. I, I, I was just yeah. a knee-jerk habit of blaming Catholicism for everything. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. Yeah. It did, yeah. did it a lot. But no, that, that just, just very traditional, like fairies are reversed to iron. Yeah, yeah. Iron and iron, iron burns them, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the hot iron poker was the thing. Um, but yeah, no, like I think there's a lot of potential for some really creepy stuff to do. Like, cause there there is a movie called um, The Hole in the Ground, I think, and it's it's a, a changeling story where a cha where changelings come and steal a baby and from a from a family, and uh, the like the mother and father have to try like go into the fairy world and get the baby back, and they do. Uh, fairies is more like an insectoid, almost like fungus like creature as well. It's really cool. I've seen a. Uh... It's on Netflix now. Yeah, oh, it's a 2019 a, movie. Mike, okay. Mike Flair's recommendation. Check that out if you like weird body horror fairy stuff. Hey, it's got an 83 on Rotten Tomatoes. That ain't bad. Oh, something happened to somebody's eyeball that made me very uncomfortable. Oh, no thanks. Hard pass. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I'm not even that bad when it comes to like... Um... Uh, it comes like eyeballs or, or like even like flesh being cut or torn or blood or anything like that I'm not that bad bones get me cracking bones makes me cringe like nothing else man there's a 
Here, here's here's a, another part of Connor talking about Twilight in the podcast again. Uh, in the, the second to last movie, this is a bit where Bella gets pure. Like, oh, I know exactly what weak. you mean. Yeah. The, oh, the... And she falls over and breaks like several bones, and the way the sound effect and everything oh, just right. I can't I can't watch it. I thought you were going. I thought you were on about that bit where her like spine like cracks when she's giving birth. Sort of similar, very. It's the same movie, and it's within maybe you... twenty minutes of each other or yeah. whatever. It's it's, oh, it's awful. It's it's. I, I, don't, I don't like the movies anyway, but like Tara will occasionally watch them. And if she's on that movie, I'll be like, oh, this is the part where she, I'll be, I'll be back in like 20 minutes because I can't sit through that. It just makes me so uncomfortable. Mm, so body um, is a weakness. Excellent. I like that. Time. Yes. There you write that one down. <laughs> um, but there's, there's a couple of kind of resources I would recommend if you're, if you're doing Feywild or Shadowfell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one is for Feywild specifically, uh, look up uh, or get the book to Wild Beyond the Witchlight, uh, which yes. came out recently enough. Um, great stuff there. Sorry? I was going to say, how did we not talk about The Wild Beyond the Witchlight already? The Wild Beyond the Witchlight is really, really good. Um, there's some great stuff for fairy stuff in there. Some great um, fae-based monsters. Because um, there's, there's a relatively limited number of fae creatures in the monster manual and stuff like that. So this book helps expand on that. Um, and then the other thing I'd recommend for both planes is you play the Shivering Isles expansion to Oblivion, where they go to Mania and Dementia, uh, which are basically the Feywild and sort of the shadow fell but Ooh. not so much but there's uh, a the first darksiders game as well actually you, oh really yeah you yeah you do a lot there's a lot of like phase stuff and in the in the early part pretty cool i have I, I think i have all of those on steam just from gathering them up in various um steam sales and stuff like that i've never played any of them if you like and the thing is they're kind of just you know, uh, watching a button mashing kind of game so you can just breeze through a bunch of enemies and stuff like that. It, the, the first one is a lot more like a Dark Zelda. Like a Dark Zelda? Oh, interesting. Okay. Like Legend like of Zelda. Puzzle stuff like that. Yeah, Legend of Zelda, but with like an apocalypse skin. And you yeah. go around with a big sword cutting things in half. <laughs> hmm. It uh, it always looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a horse I, called I, uh, Ruin, who's awesome. Ruin? Yeah, War. Yeah, it's, like, w- war w- 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 yeah, it's War. You play in the first one, yeah, then isn't yeah. it Death in the second one? War, it goes War, Death, and then I think three is Strife. That's the woman, isn't it? Yeah. And then I think, is it Dread or something like that? Some other guy with guns shows up, and I, no, I want to say uh, he's played. De- death has guns. No, but there's a, there's another... He, I, I think he's just an NPC, or he's in oh, maybe okay. a mobile game or a, a Switch game or something like that. I can't remember. I've only seen clips and stuff on them. They all look all kind of cool. They're um, But again, just... Um, I've got around him. Um, so those are your two kind of main, most closely adjacent planes to um, the to the material, and we we've covered them a, a handful of times in both of our ones. Um, in order to get to the other planes, Martin, mm-hmm. to get a little bit further out, the outer planes, uh, or or to the next level, we'll say, um, there is a place which exists in. Um, Technically, it, I think it exists across all D&D settings because you can use this place to travel not just between the various planes of your own setting, but technically, I think, to uh, to like places like Faerun and Eberron and also technically to like Earth, like real-world mm. Earth. Um, and it's the City of Sigil. It's called the City of Doors, uh, which is... Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I, I was actually going to say, I literally just watched um, a, a short on uh, the... The queen of the uh, city, 
I, I, I don't want to get into it unless you could think you're oh, about you going to because I, I, I vaguely noticed but I didn't revise it for this episode so if you want to jump I, I know some little bits but if you want to jump in about that oh, yeah. no it's just literally do you know that um, he's, I can't remember his channel I feel terrible about it but he's that really awesome um, American guy who does like the YouTube shorts where they're like a minute long and he breaks down lore and he, he, finish, he finishes every video with see you at sunrise See it's on See what's on I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain I've seen this, but no, he's really good. Like uh, if you yeah. if you watch if basically if you watch a lot of D and D stuff on YouTube, he will show up in your recommendations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like saying Bloody Mary in the mirror three times. <laughs> see, mm. see what's on. See what's on down. See what's on down. See what's on down. Hey, <laughs> um, but yeah, basically the uh, the city, and I think it's is it is it it's, it's Sigil, isn't it? Uh, okay, I'm. You're doing a Matt Mercer on it right now because I was going to pronounce it sigil because that's the word sigil, right? Yes, but it's it's spelled the same as the word sigil, but it's not. It's a place name, and I think it's spelled sigil. I think that's spelled said sigil, um, because that's how your man said it in the video. I anyway. that's what I'm just what I'm going off. It's fine. Say it whatever you want. It's your world. Uh, but yeah, it's. I, uh, I believe she's called the Mistress of Pain. Uh, she, yeah, she is the she is the ruler of the city of Sigil, and um, yeah, basically, if you. If you, how long are we in? <laughs> yeah, if you fuck around uh, in Sigil, <laughs> yeah, if you fuck around in Sigil, she's gonna come for you, and it's not going to be pleasant, as you can imagine, because her name is the Mistress of Pain. Am I, am I right in saying? And I think again, it's been a long time since I looked up the lore on this. Is, am I right in saying that she basically is like a warden, and yeah. people like anyone can go through? sigil there's no like it's not keeping demons or celestials or anyone out anyone can pass through here to get to another plane there's no problems there but like if you started a fight for example there yeah her only job is to be like i'm gonna make the two of you now suffer yeah forever deigning to cause trouble in this city, i'm gonna make know? an example out of you yeah yeah and she has this like really crazy intimidating like golden mask headpiece with all these spikes coming off it like almost like a sun um, it's really she's she's intimidating looking and lo lo like looks to match her title um, but yeah she's, she's basically like the uh, like guardian uh, for lack of a better word or um, yeah warden actually is probably the best word for it she's like the warden of uh, of sigil and is, is there to uh, yeah just make sure nobody's messing around so fuck around and find out in sigil and you'll find out the mistress of pain is going to ruin your day <laughs> and it reminds me a little bit of uh, of uh the guy who controls the, the Bifrost. In... Oh, Heimdall? Heimdall, a little bit like Heimdall, kind of like a gatekeeper almost. Yeah. Heimdall, uh, Heimdall also dresses in gold. He does, he does. Uh, Heimdall can see all. He can see all. There's a, I, I can't remember if I told you this, I definitely hold a Satara. Um, I was looking, I can't remember, a few weeks ago I was looking up some stuff about uh, the, the Bifrost. The etymology of that word, I think people, because in my head, and maybe, maybe you knew different or knew better, um, in my head, the etymology of that word was that it was like bi, B-I, and mm. then frost. But it's not. The etymology of the word is bife mm. and then rost. Those are two separate words. It's not B-I space frost. Mm. I, sorry, I would have always spelt it as one word, but what I mean is I thought that it was bi, yeah. frost. It's bife, rost, which is something I never knew. Mm. There's a little no, interesting you know. factoid for you there. Yeah. <laughs> Just punch my microphone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as, I was, uh, as I was saying... But yeah, uh, so that's that, that's a uh, sigil, very cool setting. Uh, I think I think you, like it always kind of reminds me. I, I when I picture it, I picture like a golden space station, like like a starport where people are just coming and going. And you see literally on the same place where you see people um, like queuing to get to the material plane or the shadow fell or something like that. And it's like an airport almost. <laughs> um, 
and and basically you'll have people who are like paladins, ASMR paladins are queuing up yeah. to go to the Shadowfell, but so is a pit fiend behind them. And he's like, oh, I have my ticket here. <laughs> yeah, they're like, keep two meters between each other. We do not want you messing with each other's planar business. Yes, you can do exactly. that when you leave here. Oh, God. Um, there is a, there's also another way of getting around the planes as well I was going to bring up. And this is actually what the intro is about. Mm. Um, so there's another plane called the Astral Sea. Yes. Um, in my mind, it's basically space. Uh, it's it's the space between worlds. Um, you'll find a lot of things like Gith and Gith Yankee or Gith Yankee and Githarai there, um, as well as like Astral Dreadnoughts and stuff like that. But basically, scattered throughout the entirety of the Astral Sea, there are these things called the Color Pools, which are shimmering portals that just lead into different planes. Um, and they can come in a variety of different colors. Uh, and you can kind of just fall through them, or you can intentionally go through them. But you can navigate the planes. Uh, if you ever see, you have, you have seen, uh, uh, Volume 2 of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know yeah, what? Yeah. They go through all the different jump points, but they're bouncing between them. That's kind of like what the color planes are in my head. Um, and they come in a bunch of different uh, colors and stuff like that, which all correspond to different planes. So, uh, like I said a while ago, there is the Magenta for the Pandemonium, Amethyst for the Abyss, and Shining White for the Positive Energy Plane. There's also um, silver for the prime material, uh, dark blue for the plane of water, and ruby red, of course, for the nine hells. Um, so I, I, I thought that was very cool. It's a very cool part of the. That's an old part of the of the D and D cosmology as well. Uh, and I think that I, I think a lot of that does span to most of the settings, um, where um, where kind of it, it does, because D and D is around so long. If you look up the cosmologies, it's like. There's no real. So they each have their own cosmology or a version of the same one, but they're all also technically in the same grander universe because you can cross from Earth into Eberron, into Faerun, into Dragonlance or Greyhawk, you know. And uh, if you look at the, how far back and convoluted the lore goes, it actually supports the idea that you could totally, you know, send your players and have them drop into the middle of New York City. Uh, and meet, I don't know, fucking Spider-Man or something. Why not? Um, don't tempt but, me, Connor. <laughs> but that, that would totally be within the realm of what is possible in the D&D multiverse. And like. you take 3d12 slashing damage from a small Canadian hairy man. <laughs> 3d10. That would be a lot, though, yeah. Because it's... Oh, and look, he also has adamantine uh, <laughs> weapons as well. <laughs> so they they overcome the, the resistance. Um, oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. Actually, that'd be interesting if Wolverine got dropped in. You you can make a Wolverine, Wolverine build. I've I thought about this. You can make a Wolverine build if you do a barbarian um, path of beast. the beast. Claw. beast. Yeah, yeah. I take the claws. Yeah, you can absolutely do a, a Wolverine setup. And he even gets a leap ability uh, at level 6 or 7, I want to yeah. say. Oh, God. Have you ever seen, just to go entirely off tangent, which is about how awesome, they, they, did, um, they did like yeah, an X-Men anime. I think it's actually on Netflix now. But there's a bit in it where they're fighting... I think it's Omega Red, the you know the Russian villain, super villain with all the the metal tentacle arm, the, the metal tentacles that come out of his arm. Uh, one second, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up with images. I'm sure I'll know him. Uh, but like he, him, he's fighting. No, oh, yeah, it's him. Yeah, he's fighting um Wolverine and uh, Beast, and he's just like beating the crap out of them. And then like uh he's got like I think he's got like these wires in them that like shock it, shock them, and like yeah, uh, mobilize them with pain. And like Wolverine just like turns to Beast and he's like, the next time they hit, he hits us with that. When like when he when you can move again, I want you to hit me and you're not going to stop. And he's like, what? And he's like, I said hit me. 
and then like they fucking like they whatever the thing goes off and Wolverine's like screaming and he's like do it now Hank and he just starts hitting him he hits him once and it doesn't work and he's like I said keep hitting me and he's like you just see Beast just like wail on him for like eight or nine punches and then he just gets rocketed across the room and Wolverine stands up in berserker mode and just oh. goes off oh my god it's the best I didn't really I, I, I I've I never realized Wolverine had a berserker mode. It's yeah, it's just basically he's, he just goes full feral and can't like distinguish between like foe, friend and foe and just like at that thing he like he beats Omega Red, but he just keeps stabbing the crap out of his corpse until like yeah. Beast comes over to try and help him, and then like he spins on him with the claws. And it's like oh, <laughs> oh I love that. Uh, uh, have you have you talked much about the the design or the had the layout of the cosmology in your world, or do you do you use the the kind of the standard Faerun setup because I know a lot of people do like Matt Mercer even has his, the way his planes are laid out is exactly the same as Faerun as far as I'm aware maybe with some minor differences uh, but do you do the same in your world? Yeah, so I, I it wasn't something I give a whole budget thought when I was building my world to be honest because I was just thinking just trying to get like towns and villages right um, oh yeah I mean, it, it's really grand scale stuff that if you're just running a, 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 four, a four person party uh, put some goblins in a cave you do not need to think about yeah. like you know oh yeah absolutely but um no i think like i've not like intentionally done it but i guess i kind of did i i do basically just follow the Faerun structure where like there's the material plane and then like the shadow fell and fair and Feywild are the two most two most near ones and they kind of overlap the material plane to some extent and then you've got the inner and outer planes and like uh, the astral sea and all that kind of stuff yeah so I, I, I stick I stick fairly closely to that for that one. I might do it a little differently next time because I do really like the that like solar system idea that you have, um or like I kind of for some reason I kind of want to do mine as a web. I don't know why <laughs> it, it makes no sense. Ooh. That could be cool if like like that could be cool if you I don't know I, okay I, I'm I'm literally thinking of this as I'm saying it. If you did look like some sort of god being that was like a cosmic spider, like that wove creation, that like that literally wove creation, and then also spun yeah. a web, and like like maybe as a result, if you want to get to the nine hells, you can't just go straight there. You've got to go from there to the plane of fire, to the plane of Acheron, and then to the like maybe they don't all connect to each other, so mm. you have to like navigate it a very specific way. That could be super cool. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, cosmic spiders. <laughs> Martin's own version of the Spider Verse. <laughs> oh God, the traitor! Ah, the traitor! I saw. I saw. Oh, okay, we won't get an attention to that because that was really awesome. But uh, yeah. yeah, sorry. Go on. I, I'm gonna. I'll stop interrupting you with Marvel stuff now. Uh, no, you're okay. I'll stop interrupting you with Twilight stuff. Please. Don't worry. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't know why I keep doing it. Uh, it's so relevant. Uh, um, yeah. So there. That. That's. I mean, I think the Faerun one is pretty solid, and I mean, like, again, it's such broad strokes um, when it comes to, like, if you're a dungeon master and you're thinking about creating your own cosmology, and if you have a good idea, by all means, run with it. Um, but also, there's apps, I mean, like, again, to kind of put it in context, I think, if Matt Mercer, one of the most famous DMs in the world, who has a very successful show and a couple of books, um, uh, and, you know, whatever standard. else, his own company built around his D&D game, mm -hmm. if he uses a very slight variation of the standard Faerun cosmology uh, and can do all that. There's really no need to recreate the wheel, literally. Uh, but, um, but I mean, it's also, if you have a good idea, it's 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 fun, I think. Um, like I said, mine mine is not dissimilar from the wheel, the solar system idea. I think it very, it's, you know, I mean, mine is basically like 
there is the sun so the material planes i have this idea where like each of the elemental planes um they kind of orbit and at different times of the year they will pass near the prime material plane and that's how the different seasons come about mm, is um like if the, if the plane of fire passes by it's hotter at that time of year so things get hotter yeah. uh, and likewise with the plane of uh of water things get cooler from like the ice plane and stuff like that um so that that kind of infers that i also had this other one which is kind of my version of acheron which is the the, inf the like the plane like infinite war mm. and it's basically like it's a it's a it's a world or a plane that exists exactly halfway between the center of the solar system and the outer part of it um and it's where like celestials and demons it's basically the front line of the war between celestials and fiends um yeah and they're trying to like breach the world and get into the inner the inner planes and stuff like that but the celestials have been holding the line for thousands of years now um and yeah i have a few and i also like i have uh, instead of like the nine hells being like a layered tiered thing like a cake mm. um like a really really demonic cake um i have a thing where like there do, is do you know what kind central... of cake it'd be i want to say red velvet but that's wrong go devil's food devil's food thank you very much uh that's a cake isn't it? <laughs> i think it's okay oh, fuck it. it doesn't matter <laughs> we're gonna find okay, out okay do some googling go on I'm going to lose my train of thought now. So. You were talking about uh, the demonic cake. <laughs> Devil's food is a cake. Oh, thank God I'm not psychotic. <laughs> uh, ooh, Nigella Lawson does one. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she's like 60, do you know what I She's a good-looking 60. Um, <laughs> All right, Connor, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Clip and show to Tara. <laughs> That's fine. She keeps talking about Henry Cavill. Um, Don't we all? Don't we all? Uh, he was actually on Graham Norton there, and... Graham was kind of semi-making fun of him for collecting and painting Warhammer, Warhammer figurines. And I'm like, you leave him alone. He's Superman. Um, <laughs> he's, he's Geralt. <laughs> he's Geralt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, the, be the better of the two, uh, uh, I think, definitively. Um, ah, Superman's but yeah. Awesome. So, what? Uh, it's grand. I said Superman's pretty awesome. No, Superman is awesome. And I, I like his portrayal of it. I just... We've been through it. Yeah. Not a fan of the movies. But I, I do still like him as, as the character. I think he did a good job. Um... So in talking about different cosmologies and how they can be laid out, um, one of the other ones, and this is the one that really gets me, and I think it's so, so interesting, um, is the cosmology of Eberron. Okay. Um, if you look at the like, third edition Eberron, which I believe is when Eberron first came around, the cosmology almost looks like an atom with like different electrons at a different planes. And, and, and similar to, to my world, where like when certain planes pass near the material, the material takes on um, aspects of it, they would like, they wouldn't like be a central thing like that with an even orbit they would kind of loop in and around and then far out then back in again and far out uh, and when they came close like the plane the prime material would take on aspects of, of these different planes it looked like a again like a weird atom um but the the creation myth of everon is actually something that's very very interesting um because you know everon has its dragon marks and its noble houses and stuff like that um and everon the creation myth that goes along with it feeds into its cosmology entirely um i'm going to read this part for you here. it's really interesting so the fourth edition cosmology of everyone uh when the progenitor dragons uh uh, uh kyber and kyber fought each other their combat stretched out across existence kyber defeated uh Cyberus, render uh, rending and scattering him across the stars everyone then uh in k everyone who is the third dragon 
progenitor dragon encased her evil sister within herself, transforming herself into the physical world with Kyber imprisoned within. Scholars believe that this extends to the cosmology as well, where some planes exist within uh, Sybaris, which Sybaris is basically the astral sea. Uh, the remains make up the astral sea, um, uh, also called the Sea of Sybaris. Uh, some with uh, Kyber, the dra so Sybaris is the dragon above, so like the astral sea and everything, that one, the far outer planes, kind of like that. Um, you have Kyber, the dragon below, is elemental chaos, and then you have uh, Eberron, the dragon between. Uh, and each of them basically became multiple worlds within the cosmology with literally like, uh, was it? It's uh, Kyber, the kind of evil progenitor dragon in the center, Eberron, the dragon encased around uh, Kyber, and then creating the world of, of Eberron. And then what remains orbiting around it in space basically is, um, is uh, what was it? Kyber and... Uh, Best her name, Sybaris, Kyber, and uh, Sybaris. Uh, and I just think I think it's really cool. And then you have like the dragon above makes up the like outer planes. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's left of Sybaris is basically um, the Nine Hells, uh, the Realm of Perfect Order, the Endless Night, the Azure Sky, Realm of Madness, all this kind of outer stuff like that. Uh, Eberron is made up of um, the world Eberron itself, the region of dreams, the Shadowfell, and the Feywild. And then Kyber below is the Sea of Fire, the Churning Chaos, and the Plane of Ice. Uh, and I just think it's a, it's, a, it's a really, really interesting way that like these three progenitor dragons, these three creation dragons, fought and killed some of each other, in, in, like encased some of each other, and then founded the universe uh, as an extent. Yeah, um, it's very it's like, a really um, unique take. It's, it actually reminds me... Yeah, it's, it's a really unique take. It's really cool. It actually reminds me of uh, the First World from Fizzbands. Uh, I've not actually read enough of that from Fizzbands okay. to be... I would, if, you, if, you're, if you're more familiar, feel free to jump in. I'm, I'm, I haven't read a ton of the First World because when, when it came to Fizzbands, I immediately ran to magic items and classes. Um, but the, uh, the First World... How about the monster snap blocks? Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the First World was basically like the primeval worlds that uh, was created first uh, oh yeah so the elegy there's an elegy for the first world and it's an ancient draconic poem of unknown origin found with minor variations in the collections and traditions of dragons across many worlds of the material various creation myths told on different worlds echoed some of the themes and notions of this poem uh, the elegy suggests that before the myriad worlds of the material plane came into being before Oerth and Toril and Eberron and Crin existed the primordial dragons Bahamut and Tiamat worked together to create the material plane in the form of a single first world all the worlds that now can constitute the plane are in the words of the poem seeding realities formed when the first world was sundered in some unexplained catastrophe the story told in elegy for the first world is just a number of truths regarding the nature of dragons first of, okay then it's just getting into dragons and stuff there and just how they're like um they echo across the planes because they're like prime prime like um forces in the of elemental power from the material then what was uh you will know this better than I will now because you're reading um that kind of reminds me of um the wheel of time thing where there are certain people who are focal points in reality and Cavern. they're yeah yeah and like am I right in saying that they don't have as much free will as other people because they are locked into a destiny that matters in the grander scale yeah so the I was actually going to talk about the wheel of time uh cosmology because it is it is very interesting and similar to that. so like yeah, it's a joint spinning wheel basically is what the wheel of time yeah. is and they all say like the wheel with the wheel 
I think it's a, like, the, oh God, there's too many W's in that sentence, I'm just going to abandon it. Um, the wheel wills as it does, I think is what they said. But uh, So there, there are certain people where if you were, yeah, basically like fated or destined, um, you can be taverin, which means that like the wheel basically forms the pattern around you and you inherently pull the threads together to create a web um, within right. the pattern of the wheel and change how the pattern is spun. Like they're it all like it's 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 very very interesting and like um without getting into spoilery territory if you're you find out kind of er pretty early on in the first book that some of the main characters are, a couple of them are Tavran and it like yeah. like it really impacts people like stuff does just warp around them together um like other as it otherwise wouldn't like there's literally a bit in I'm, I'm reading the second book now the great hunt um i think i'm about two three hundred pages after i'm finishing it um but there is a bit in it where the main one of the main characters rand he uh goes to an area and like no sorry it's not him but the another character goes in an area and that who knows rand and meets someone who met rand previously and they're all talking about him and then the brother of that character comes in and is like everyone's talking about Randall Thor. He's like, I, I met this farmer on the road who said that Rand convinced him life outside his farm was worth exploring. And like, all these, like, person after person who like, just on a chance meeting with them has had their fate entirely changed because, uh, spoiler, Rand is Haverin. And he like, and like, just the wheel, like, weaving itself around his destiny and like, pulls yeah. other people into it and changes their destiny. It's really cool. I think, uh, when it comes to like, Oh, and, oh, sorry. and it always sorry. repeats it always repeats like it just repeats and repeats and repeats until the, the destiny is fulfilled the dragon is reborn to either break the world or save it and fight the dark one and then it just goes boom all over again it's um the idea of a spinning wheel or something like that or anything at all really that that i don't know that creates or that you know um like whether it's weaving or or the uh, carving or shaping in some way, you the know, fates in Greek um, mythology with um, with the threads. Exactly, yeah. I think um, that anything like that is is a great basis for jumping off on it with a creation myth. Uh, we're not really we're not specifically talking about creation myths here today, but I mean, I, I feel like they can go hand in hand. Oh yeah, with all, they kind of do because your creation myth kind of explains why your cosmology is the way it is. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. It's. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of realizing I don't really have I have a creation myth but I don't really it doesn't inform my cosmology my worlds kind of existed prior to that yeah and maybe that's maybe it's better or not better but okay in a different way like maybe it's okay to not answer all the questions from the beginning of time yeah. but I also think it can be good to be like you know in in, in the beginning there was yeah. hilarious <laughs> you know to be both on the opposite of each other and that like I have a creation myth but no but no rock solid cosmology of my own other than yeah it's the Faerun one and you've done a really like complex cosmology but don't really have a creation myth <laughs> yeah I mean I I know how the prime material got created in my yeah. world which is basically the celestial's home world was destroyed by there was a there was a, a schism in the fiends I love which that word, was by the way schism thank you uh there was a schism between the fiends where um they for all of eternity up until this point um the the fiends and the celestials had fought each other and the i don't have a name for him but he's kind of like my asmodeus and he wants he's of course wants to keep killing them he's like we want to do evil we're going to keep trying to do evil they're going to keep trying to do good and i'm like i'm going to keep killing them i'm never going to wipe them out because 
without good, we are nothing. There, there needs to, he, he is evil, but he understands there needs to be a balance in the universe. And then all the other demons and devils can't fathom this. Like, we could, we could just go there and kill them all. Why can't we just go kill them all? Um, and then he's like, no, shut the fuck up. Listen to me. I'm the boss here. Um, and basically all the demons then rebel and they join up and they kill him. And then they all piss off and they go attack the celestial homeworld and destroy it. Uh, so then all the remaining devils who wanted to follow orders and stuff like that are like, oh, I guess we have this place now. And this becomes the hells. Um, and each of the both is now, you have now have these seven arch uh, devils. And they're all like, cool, I'll lead the way. Now, I, I think I'll lead the way. No, 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 I'll lead the way. And, and basically they all keep fighting each other now because no one can decide who will um supplant the the previous overarching arch devil um and all the devils all the demons then took over the celestial world so celestials had no home so they were like they went to the inner planes where the elemental uh planes and, and stuff were and they talked to all the prime elemental gods each one controlling their own domain mm -hmm. and they were like look we don't have a world can you build us one with you know you have the building blocks to make us a world can you do that and in exchange we'll grant you the magic that basically allows you to create life um and they were like oh that's a pretty good deal yeah sure we'll build you a planet no problem uh so they did that they gave them the create the, the idea of uh of how to create life and then all the elementals were like this is great let's go make a world and, and put some life in it and then they did that and it was fucking mental <laughs> because all they put a drop of life into a world that contained fire earth water and air and immediately everything went to shit because it was life, but it was so chaotic and stuff. They was just they were they, they couldn't uh, tame it. Uh, and then they got the giants to come in, and they were like, "Hey, your guys are big and you're strong. You should probably like try to tame this world for us." So they literally tamed the oceans and carved the mountains and uh, and brought the material plane into a state of somewhat peace. Um, sorry, I went off a bit of ramble there. That's that's kind of my creation myth on a uh, kind of broad strokes of it. Um, uh, I forget why I was talking about this. Uh, we're talking about cosmology. Yes. So yeah, but basically, so like the celestials kind of form the gods of my world and the evil gods of my world are the devils and demons and stuff like that. But none of them made the worlds, you know, mm. they, and even, even the, uh, prim the primordial gods, the earth god and the fire god and stuff, they built the world, but they, the idea of building planets that surround a sun and stuff, none of them came up with that idea. This, as far as they're concerned, that's just how time began. Um, so again, maybe that's okay, but maybe, maybe I should have a, a single soul creator that no one really worships anymore because he died off millions of years ago, but he built the first sun and built all the original planets or something. That could be interesting. The creator of my um, world is the BBEG. Uh... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You were telling me before because he, he, did he father all of the other gods and yeah. they kind of rebelled against him because he was obviously evil. Yeah, he sort of similar. Like he, he fathered, he fathered all, he made all them and then they made a world and then he was like, I didn't make that. Smash, smash, smash. And they were like, you broke our tie and rebelled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they made, uh -huh. a, had a war and made a new world. Oh, so is your world... Did he actually succeed in destroying the original oh, yeah. world? He smashed it to pieces. Like he ruined oh, okay. it. <laughs> he went down and just ruined everything they made. So they all just went, okay, no, he's just destroying every attempt we have we're having at making life. Um so yeah, they um made the first weapons and went after him and cut him to pieces and scattered him across the aeons. Um and imprisoned his spiritual essence and yeah, and then they made a 
then they like basically tried to heal. They made a new world, um, which is why my uh, world is called Near Quebec, which is Nord, I believe Nordic, because it's been so long since I actually looked into it. But I believe it's Nordic for first light. Okay. Yeah, and you've like a fifth god who's like the goddess of light as well. Yes, yeah, she was the most powerful and was the was the one who um had the most of the original creator's divine essence put into her because she was uh, supposed to be his companion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because he created her first, and then they fathered the children, and then the five of them kind of turned against him, uh, is that right? The four elements first, then light, basically. Oh, then light last, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, I always like that. I like that idea. I like the idea, actually, that the, the biggest god, the, most, the oldest god, is actually the bad one in your world, yeah. as opposed to, I feel like in a lot of ones, it's like someone's uh disgruntled son or daughter goes off and becomes evil yeah. uh because they don't like how things are run or something like that um no, he's the god yeah. of darkness uh he's the god of darkness the void and um nothingness and nothingness um pretty cool uh i have what's i i have a couple of things here i wanted to go through mm -hmm. uh, like i said we're not we're not going to cover all the planes in this uh, i'm going to do a quick run through the elemental planes um, because these are ones I really enjoy. Um, I think they can just, because they can make for really interesting environments to explore. Yes. Um, the elemental plane of Earth, right? Uh, basically, infinite caverns, uh, caves, uh, shifting tectonic plates, stuff like that, uh, crystal caverns, and it's the home of Dao, which are evil slaver yes. genies um, who are like, greedy and, and seek gems and all that kind of stuff. Um, pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool plane. Um, also home of Earth's Ganassi and stuff, I believe. I, I, I actually don't know what the original origins of, or Ganassi, whatever you want to call them, is. I, in my world, they actually come from the elemental plane of whatever, you know? Mm. Um, and they settled on the material plane. I don't know, is it a case that they, that's a case in regular D&D, or if it's a case that they are people who are, like, touched by elemental energy in the same way that a tiefling is, by demonic energy? Uh, it was, it was, yeah. I'm not sure. I, did not, I, I actually did not do my research on on those, on them before jumping into it. Um, I'm honestly not too sure. I, I, yeah, I, I just like said mostly what you had said about the the element planner. I believe there's like an abundance of like precious stones and metals there as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, and that can make for a super interesting um uh, arc if maybe like uh if maybe like there was a mine on the material plane that actually. They didn't go into a cave, they went into a portal and they harvested from the other side of the world. Um, I've, often, I've actually often thought if you, if you do a plane hopping thing, you could totally do it like a Stargate uh, series where you're jumping from world to world through portals, you know, it'd be really, yeah, really cool. Yeah, that'd be sick. Uh, the next one is the elemental plane of fire. Uh, it's a home of the Efreet, who are also evil slaver genies. Um, I see a pattern emerging. Yeah, exactly. Um, they live in the city of Brass, mm -hmm. uh, which is a very, very cool um, setup. Um, there's also the um, the Azur, which are like fire dwarves. Yeah, um, really that live cool. on this plane as well. Really, I, like, really I cool. like them. I like their design a lot. Where they're just they literally just look like dwarf ghost rider. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah, big flaming beards and stuff. I think you you would totally play a an Azur as a character if you just took a dwarf stat block, maybe took something else out and gave them fire resistance instead. You could totally play a, an Azur as a, a player character. Yeah. Um, play the fire though. Very these two planes very inhospitable. Um. Because the Earth one, if you read up on the information about it, it's like, oh, any person who is not able to basically dig or tunnel or glide through stone will likely be crushed by falling rock or shifting earthquakes or plates. Because it's just, it's just an infinite plane of, of Earth and caverns. Um, 
and then they obviously the element to play a fire it has like a sulfurous atmosphere and it's uh i was reading a description a while ago that was describing that it's occasionally you might find a, a, an area of respite uh, that is not as hot, but it's still hotter than the hottest deserts of the material plane. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, so it's just terrible. It's just terrible. Um, there's the elemental plane of air, which is literally just blue, cloudy skies for all, all um, in all directions for all time, basically. Um, there are some floating structures, I believe, where things like Aarakocra and um, uh, uh, Jin uh, genies, the air genies, uh, make their homes. Um, this is actually one of the more hospitable. I think this is the most hospitable of the elemental planes. Um, like that, honestly, that could make for some really cool. Yeah. I haven't really thought much about the air airplane, but I can imagine like with big floating castles and stuff. You could have like, oh, what was that show? There was like an animated show where like people lived in floating cities and they flew planes around and stuff like that. And I think, I think it was like a Sky World thing. I don't know. I'd have to look this up. Doesn't start ringing a bell, sorry. Uh, I I don't think it ran for very long. I already saw a couple episodes, but it was a cool premise. Yeah, or like the um, um just like the air temples from Avatar. Yeah, the air temples as well. Yeah, but on floating chunks of rock instead yeah. of uh, on mountaintops. Um, and then you've the elemental plane of water, of course, home to the Marid. Uh, these guys are they're not evil, but they're also not necessarily good. They're kind of they're a bit neutral. Um, it's basically an infinite ocean with no surface. Yeah. Um. Apparently, the pressure is equalized no matter where you are. So you can swim down or up, and the pressure won't get any higher or lower um, on the plane. Something I didn't know, and this is very cool, the salt content of the ocean gets higher or lower depending on where in the plane you are and how close you are to the positive or negative energy planes. Tell, so tell, you... 10 meters more salt in the, in, in the water near the negative energy plane. Tell me. There is. <laughs> yes! There is. <laughs> I love it. Even the ocean gets salty when it loses. Exactly. Uh, uh, so yeah, if you so if you swim towards the positive plane, the water gets fresher, and if you swim towards the negative plane, it gets more briny and salty. Uh, one region near the negative energy plane, you'll love this, um, which I didn't realize. There's a place called the Murky Depths, which is near the negative energy plane. It's where the League of uh, Legends players live. Uh, <laughs> it's it's where it's where a particular god named uh, Blipdul Ploop. <laughs> lives bloop, bloop. Bloop. is that that's literally what it is bloop, bloop. it's a blip doodle bloop uh and that's where he is the god of the kotor uh the the oh, silly looking fish okay. people uh and that's where he lives he lives in the in a very salty part of the water plane near the negative energy plane um uh so okay so remember early on i said i there was a lot more planes than i realized yeah so i knew those four prime elemental planes and, and i'm a big fan uh, long time fan. Uh, there are also the, and I would not have known to call them this, but I would have known they existed. These are the para elemental planes. Okay. And they are located in between these other planes. And like, because right. the cosmology of the wheel is like a ring that surrounds the prime material. Mm -hmm. So where the air and fire meet is the plane of smoke. Uh, just an infinite plane of, of, of choking smoke. Where the earth and fire meet is a plane of magma. And I think the fields of creation are here as well. Magma. magma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where water and earth meet are the planes of ooze, like just infinite swamps of, of mud. I'm guessing that's where Zogtomoy is? No, he's in the hells, isn't he? Sorry, yeah. He, Zogtomoy has his own realm in yeah. the hells, I believe, yeah. And then where air and water meet are the freezing planes of, the, of ice. Um, so I wouldn't have known they were called para-elemental planes, but... Um, 
I did know they existed. Also pretty cool. I love the idea of like, uh, particularly a plane of ice, like the ice planet of Hoth almost, yeah. or uh, an infinite swamp. I don't like Dagobah. Man, loads of Star Wars references today. Um, oh, actually, I'd, I'd imagine the elemental plane of ice might look a little like the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, probably would be, be like if 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 anyone was to live there. I don't know who would live there necessarily. Ice ice devils maybe. Um, but if anyone was to live there, they'd probably have huge spiky ice fortresses like that. Yeah. Um, here's another one for you. Quasi elemental planes. Okay. All right. So these are elemental planes that, um, like I mentioned with the elemental plane of water, they get a little bit closer right. to the positive and negative elemental planes. And these are cool. These are interesting. All right. So all the, first off are all the positive ones. So when the when the um, elemental plane of air is near or or where it borders the positive plane is the plane of lightning. Ooh. Where the fire plane borders the positive one is the plane of radiance, cool. just pure sheer blinding light. Uh, where the earth one is borders it is the plane of minerals. So it's the the richest Just veins of a full earth plane. Full of bottles of coke and fucking Very reference. Where the water one is is the plane of steam. Just fog and 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 mist and steam everywhere. And video and, game uh, discounts. Uh yes, exactly. <laughs> and that, sadly, not anymore. It used to be so. Much fun. I used to have the Steam app on my phone, man. And during the Steam sale that we're going for like a week, I'd be in work refreshing it, going, "I want to buy that." It's three quid. Yeah, I'll buy it. Why not? And I still have played half of them. Um. Then you have all the ones that border the the negative energy plane. So where air meets the negative energy plane is the plane of vacuum. Because it really um, sucks. Because it, wow. <laughs> Where fire meets the negative energy plane is the plane of ash. Okay. So like diminished cool. fire. Uh, where earth meets it is the plane of dust. And where water meets it is, and you'll love this, the plane of salt. <laughs> so eventually you get so salty that it's just salt. <laughs> now that's where the league players live. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, that's uh, I I I knew about the I didn't know they were called para elemental planes, but I knew those ones existed. I also thought they were very very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I never knew the quasi elemental planes existed. Um, a plane of lightning sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I I like I said, we could go through a lot more. We haven't even touched on some of the the other planes that we really like. I talked about Acheron there a while ago. That's one of them. It's obviously the Nine Hells. There's the Abyss where all the demons live. Mm -hmm. Um, there's the, like the, um, the ones that are very also like very clearly just inspired inspired um, by like other mythologies where you've got like Mount Celestia which is very obviously Mount Olympus and you've got Isgard yeah. which is Asgard which isn't even trying don wizards that isn't <laughs> no, even not. trying <laughs> it's uh yeah absolutely I mean oh like my, I mean I'm... oh my god I just oh no no that's way before okay hang on sorry I have to what? I'm gonna after the podcast, I'm going to have to look up when the Horn of Valhalla came into D&D and when the Wheel of Time started. <laughs> the I... Wheel of Time was since, since the... Oh, well, I suppose the... I, I know what you mean. Sorry. The Horn of Valhalla could be from older editions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just like, hmm, there's a very... I just remember realize there's a very similar magical item in that called the Horn of Valir. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> there's a... Yeah, I think... Uh... So the planes, Martin, obviously, um, 
literally expansive as all hell they mm-hmm. go on forever and then they intersect at some point and then they they connect and break off and and you can travel between realms and universes um and i think the the planes basically give you kind of a a, a near limitless amount of uh, of places to go or quests that you can design mm-hmm. for your campaign um i've always i i i kind of I, I don't know if I'd ever do a plane hopping campaign myself, just because as much as cool as all these worlds are, you could there's so much you could do with them. Um, I do think that there is a how do you put it? There's kind of a thing where like if you go from one fantastical world to another to another to another, uh, eventually, I think does does the does the what's the word? It's Tell like, me out here. It's like eating cake for every meal. It's Novelty. not special anymore. The novelty of it, yeah. yeah. The novelty wear off. Whereas, like I, the way I typically play it with our game is, you guys will go on excursions to these other realms occasionally. Whether you're uh, traveling through a portal created by an archfey, or uh, a portal created by a genie, or you're being pulled through a mirror, which is a portal, yeah. um, into uh, into a level of the abyss. Um, yeah, I think I think it's better because then you you have that sense of. That's that sense of I shouldn't be here, and I kind of need to get home. Even even if you know you're, like, even if you go to one of the other planes because you're like, I'm going to go to this plane, I'm going to find this item, and then I'm going to come home. You still have that idea of I need to get home at the end of this, you know. And I think that that uh, infers a sense of urgency because so few of these places are actually livable. Mm-hmm. Even the places that are good are almost too good to the point where most T and D characters couldn't realistically live in these places very long term like i said to start with the the positive energy plane if you go there you can only survive minutes before you you basically burn out uh your life force and you just diminish or you not diminish but you kind of just become part of the plane um yeah i i have a lot of ideas for stuff i could do in upcoming campaigns with various planes and stuff like that um maybe even some like really weird otherworldly stuff like um like you know space fights and stuff like that yeah uh it, it gets a little bit sci-fi when you start i often think about them like planets so it gets very sci-fi like we talked about last week in our podcast uh, yeah. sci-fi and D. uh yeah uh, do you have any uh any closing remarks on on the planes how maybe use them in your and your game how you have used them in your game yeah um i think like it's natural to feel intimidated trying to fully represent an entire plane of existence for your players when you're dming um the way i got around it was i just took elements i had a whole area they were journeying through that was influenced by various because the because basically the, the it's tether to the planes was damaged uh to the material plane was damaged in that area so there was a, it was basically a giant desert with a, a fortress in the middle and as they went through it it would change what realm it was influenced in first earth then fire then um, a plane of the abyss called maladomini and then eventually they got to the boss fight in the middle um and like i just took elements from each then and then like I said it the be where okay so it will it'll take about three days it take up potentially up to three days to cross each section um unless they like roll really well on like survival or something and it speeds up their their journey so over these kind over these times i can i'll, I'll have opportunities to show the influence of each of these planes um as they travel and stuff like that so like for the earth plane i had these like giant spires that were coming up out like like a hand coming up out of the out of the ground um with like uh, rings of like precious stones and metal in them that my players actually climbed to get some they, they picked up um mithril. <laughs> they picked up a small amount of mithril and adamant and adamantine that way um 
and they're just interesting stuff out like it's yeah it's it's definitely a bit intimidating to try and just be like welcome to the plane of fire it's all fire all the time have fun yeah uh, you know, it's, it's a little challenging absolutely and intimidating to try and represent that all in one go but I think if you do it so that you just take elements you're, I, unless you really really want to do the big scale thing I think a good way to do it is to just take elements and almost like what you said like small excursions almost to the planes and just kind of like you get to experience yeah. it and then you come back to reality and that contrast is what makes that special yeah absolutely I think uh, because I mean look I mean when you, when, if you consider it the same way that you do the, your own material plane um, each of these planes is probably as rich and diverse as uh, in, in reality it's probably as rich and diverse as any uh, homebrew campaign setting where you have multiple countries and kingdoms and races and people and cultures and everything and they're all interacting with each other um, just because you bring your people you're through a portal into the plane of fire and in this particular section of the plane of fire there is these I don't know monks or warriors and maybe they're very honorable but very aggressive and that's one way I do it but maybe next time you go through you're in a, in a totally different place on that plane because it's a whole world you can do little things I think I think handling bite-sized chunks is 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 probably the best way to do it, um, and also not to take it too literally as well. Like the plane of air is like an infinite sky, but there are floating stone castles and stuff like that. Um, it might rain there occasionally, you know, as well. Um, you don't, it doesn't have to just be that thing. Well, I know I said the the plane of water is um, is like an infinite ocean. I've always thought that there probably is a bottom to that. Um, in in my head, the way it works in my world is like it's more like the outer part is the plane of ice. Like the top is just an entirely encased sphere of ice, and then the further down you get towards the core, the warmer the waters are, and they're more freezing towards the outer part. Um, but I think I think that's kind of okay. I think like most the way the planes are, even if you look at the DMG and stuff, or even if you do relatively extensive research. There's not a lot of really hard-baked stuff. The Plane of Fire has like, the, the City of Brass and stuff like that. Um, there's probably other cities there as well, though, you know? Um, there's probably a lot of other stuff, and I think a lot of it's open to interpretation, which is great, because you can then make it fit with your world and your um, pantheon of gods or your mm -hmm. creation myth, and you can tweak it. Like I said, a lot of people use um, the, the Faerun one, the, the Great Wheel, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you decide, I don't really like this world or that world, either change them or just pull them out entirely. Um, and, and the thing is, uh, much like uh, my current setup, I mean, I have some worlds planned out in my cosmology. I absolutely do not have it finished. Um, but you guys have only gone to like three, four of the worlds, technically. You've been to uh, Libidia, which is uh, uh, a very sexy part of, of hell. Um, you've been to the Plane of Water, the the Shadowfell, and the Feywild, um, and that's over twelve levels. Yeah, um, you guys have done that. So I mean, you Everything don't need to basically world every three levels. <laughs> yeah, give or take. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you guys don't have to uh, don't have to uh, basically write your whole creation myth and everything from the ground up. Um, it's a it's a thing I think we we harp back to every now and again, or, or pretty much all the time with this with this podcast is. Uh, you only need what you need. You know, you only need what's immediately around you, and maybe a little bit for what's around that, but you do not need much more uh, when you're just playing the game. Uh, a lot of this stuff is really great. It can be really inspirational, giving great ideas for quests, particularly if all of a sudden a portal to the elemental plane of Earth opens up and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, or, or the elemental plane of fire, and suddenly fire elementals are burning down houses left, right, and center. That's a great 
let's have a great plot hook, you know, let's go there, let's bring some a few buckets of water and uh, and get that sorted out. But like, um, actually, the one thing the entire the entire um, game, Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion, is that it's it's the uh, the plane of Oblivion has breached all these rifts into the world, and uh, and what's it, um, Meru's Dagon, uh, I think is the is the. I've never played Oblivion. Oh, you're missing out. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, yeah, it's, that's basically that all these rifts have been torn open and demons are coming through. And it's the beginnings of a large-scale invasion by a demonic army. And, and your whole quest in the game is to stop that. Um, oh, that's, um, there's a very similar um, plotline in Marvel where the devil in Marvel Mephisto, he uh, hmm. basically gathers an interdimensional army of himself. And they're all oh, coming, so the multiverse versions and, of yeah, him. and they're all coming through into the main multiverse one after another. It's actually very like what Kang, what what um what we said about Kang the Conqueror at the end of Loki as well. I wonder is that what um. Okay, this is not at all related to D and D, but this just came to mind because if you watch the the Spider Man trailers for the upcoming movie, um, there's a bit where like oh yeah, they're all coming in. I can't stop them. I can't stop them. Like to me, in my mind. Doctor Strange should absolutely be able to stop another Green Goblin or another Electro from coming in. There's absolutely like, but if there was multiple Mephistos trying to breach this universe, that would totally be something he would not be able to stop. I I, I don't want to get on the Mephisto train again after watching uh, One Division for so long. I've been so hardcore on the Mephisto train for One Division. I think we'll leave. I think we'll leave there. But I I'm hype. I can't wait to watch that movie. Oh, yeah. Say, so, oh, it's gonna be so good. Um, but Martin, yes, Connor. That's all the time we have for today. Ooh, it's been fun. Out in space, going around the place. Uh, basically, we've <laughs> on a bit of a, a space excursion this week uh, to all the various planets and planes and stuff. Um, I think I think um, traveling the planes and stuff in D&D, it's, if ever you get tired of, of going to the village and climbing the mountain and killing the dragon, go to any one of these worlds, and they're so bizarre. And, and honestly, I feel like the way they're written in the DMG is like, here's a short paragraph kind of, describing the basic layout of the world whatever your mind is inspired to do based on that paragraph run with it you know mm-hmm. um, and I feel that's the best thing possible because it's like oh this is a world of, a, of like Acheron this is a world where people are constantly at war at all times and you might go there and they're like, cool now it's like it might be a little bit like uh, Avernus where there's multiple factions and, and maybe you could do a whole arc where you're either joining up with this faction or fighting this faction or undermining this faction you know um, while they vie for control of this one province of Acheron, you know? Yeah. Could be super, super cool. Uh, sorry. If you have any questions you'd like us to ask, bring my notes. If you have any questions you'd like us to ask, or stories you'd like us to share, or topics you would like us to cover, please tweet us at Mike Flares Pod on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, uh, Breaker, and Radio Republic. Brad, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at So Sorry It's Over. Uh, you can also find me on the Mike Flares Podcast, which uh, Twitter account, which is at Mike Flares Pod, and I almost said that wrong. Um, other though, or otherwise though, you can mainly find me here every Friday, six PM Irish time, on the Mike Flares podcast. Connor, where do people find you on the internet? People can find me on Twitter at zero point Connor Z E R O P O I N T C O N O R one N. Very important. Uh, and as always, as Martin said, every Friday, six PM Irish time, here on the Mike Flares podcast on the aforementioned platforms. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this inspired you to maybe uh, uh, write some other worldly plot hooks for your D and D games. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Mike Flares podcast. Until then, uh, thank you very much for joining us. See you all next time. Bye bye.